102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you react. The phone numbers, you'll need them. 512-834-1027. That's 512-834-1027. Call or text. If you send a text message, you get back a multiple smiley face emojis within seconds. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X or whatever we call it this week, I'm at Jeff Ward Show. If you want to post comments on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week, then do so. Just get to the point. Bring your A game. Please don't suck. Make the show better. That's at Jeff Ward Show. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We drop it each afternoon. The Jeff Ward Show podcast is available wherever you download your podcast. Same with the YouTube channel as well. Subscribe to it. Uh, I look like Shrek, but we drop that each afternoon as well. On Fridays, it's hard to explain. It's just uh, an email chain that I was a part of, and I don't know why or how. I've never been on the music side of the business. I'm clueless about the music side of the business, but I was uh, linked into some focus group studies on music and in particular, what I glommed onto was the songs that were terrible, that they tried to scratch, that nobody liked. And so I just take that list every Friday morning and say, these are just songs that suck. You were content to let me shine, that's your way. You always want to stand Is this real? Unfortunately, this is real. This is happening. This is really happening. Is she singing her car singing? Man, this is the official music video. I don't know why it sounds like crap. Wow. Did we not have acoustics back in uh, 1982? Pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Huh. Sounds like uh, Bette Midler. I believe, is singing in her apartment. And a microphone's on the other side of the room. Wow, that's Beth Midler. Um, you are my hero, I guess. Wind beneath my wings. I think it's coming up right here. Oh, my God. There it is. Likes this. This has 20 million views. Why? Just this to laugh, even to laugh her, at it? I guess. To laugh at it. I mean, this is this isn't even her official account. Um, I I don't. I have no idea. I don't remember this song from the 80s. It's got to be the 80s because it's got that sound. So it has to be the 80s. She mattered in the 80s, I think. This was in a movie soundtrack too, I believe. Uh, it sounds familiar. What? Unless somebody else covered it. Yeah. I've heard this song before. I proudly have not until now, and I never want to hear it again. <laughs> this is an awful 35 seconds. Uh, I'm going to guess 1983. 1988. Whatever. We'll fade this one. I wish that would not have happened. You know, the other day I said the Dallas Cowboys-LA Chargers game, the 20-17 to game, looked like it was played in 1972. 
it was football straight from 1972. I think the the template of the Cowboys actually is 1972. It really is. And that's not a bad idea, by the way. Turns out I was only off by one year. Statistically, statistically, that game was 1973 because statistically the NFL is in many, many ways now 1973. I hope you find this as interesting as I do because it gets pretty nerdy pretty fast. And then I'm going to finish up with a bizarre idea. Um, if you've watched enough football, I think it should be obvious. I'm, I'm, I would assume it's very obvious to most people. I'm a little bit surprised this is not a bigger topic. Um, maybe just because I'm too nerdy, but it should be obvious. Scoring is down. If you've noticed that teams not named the Miami Dolphins are not moving the ball as well as you would think in the past, games you watched in the past, if just the eyeball test says, you know, outside of the Dolphins' offense, nobody's very good on offense. You're not wrong. If you've noticed that teams are not scoring very often inside the red zone, that's the 20-yard line. And no, it's not just a Dallas Cowboys problem, although it is a problem for the Cowboys, but it's a problem for everybody. You're not wrong. It's an issue. Every, just about, I should say, just about every offensive measurement is down. And it's happening, when you think about this, it's happening when coaches, I think it's a dumb thing to do, by the way, it's happening when coaches are going forward on fourth down more than ever before. So almost every offensive metric is down and down dramatically. Remember what I said about 1972? I was not far off. Now, the reasons, there's the numbers, which, again, sound nerdy, but they're pretty, they're pretty fascinating, they're the reasons then for that. And then I'm going to introduce what I think is not so crazy of a solution. And don't laugh at me anymore. I don't think, you know, when I first said this a few years ago, people laughed at me. I, I don't think, I don't think I'm wrong. I think it's actually a pretty good idea. So here we go. It's going to sound nerdy because it is. Consider all of this is happening. Okay. When you just think of the backdrop of, of modern day football, which the NFL smartly, goes out of its way to give the offense advantages. They go out of their way to promote scoring. I mean, it's not like the NFL and the ownership groups really want less scoring. In this age of fantasy nerds, then you would want more points and more offense than ever before. I think everybody's trying, which is what makes these numbers even more fascinating. And when you factor in that passers... A generation of quarterbacks is better than, better than ever. I'm not saying there's another Marino or Montana, although there is. But I'm saying depth-wise, there's a, there's a whole generation of quarterbacks that have grown up throwing the ball a bunch. The numbers should be better, and they're not. And they are dramatically down. Dramatically down. All right. So remember that 1972 comment I made that's actually really about 1973. Yahoo Sports... Um, yeah, yeah, nerds like me read this stuff. NFL scoring is down, and offenses have been sputtering. Yeah, to say the least. All right, the fewest points per game through the opening six weeks, it's a 20.5. That number right now is the fewest points since 2010. 
Okay, it keeps going down and down and down. The league average explosive play rate. That means plays, I think they're measuring plays of over 20 yards. You hear the term explosive play, that's what they mean. The league average explosive play rate is 10%. means nothing to you in context until I tell you this. It's the lowest through six games since the data was compiled in 2000. Most of what I've read is it's probably worse than that. But this, that's all we know is that metric has been measured since 2000. So there's, if you think, well, I don't really see that many big plays. You're not wrong. You don't. In fact, there is fewer, I can't say ever, but fewer than we've seen in almost 25 years. At a time when you would not think that would be happening. How about this? 2023 quarterbacks are throwing touchdowns on 3.9% of their pass attempts. And this should stand out to you. And they're averaging 6.9 yards per attempt. If you said, again, this is factoring in some ridiculous numbers by the Dolphins against the, the Broncos, right? So these numbers are kind of skewed. There's only one team lighting it up. But only touchdowns on 3% of passes, 6.9 yards per attempt. Those are the lowest since 2008. The season currently features the lowest yards per completion ever. Ever. Remember I said 1972, that game the other night? Actually, it would be 1955. I don't know. That is remarkable when every rule, every move, every training session is about producing more yards per completion, and it's the lowest ever. Quarterbacks are currently recording a first down on 31% of their dropbacks. That is the lowest since 2003. So you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Offenses just aren't moving the ball, and they certainly aren't moving it very deep down the field. Uh, Offenses are currently scoring touchdowns on 53% of their drives. Uh, Context, so that's a terrible number. That is a shockingly bad number in a game in which everything is built to favor the offense. 53.3% of their drives, the lowest rate since 2012. It's 10% lower than 2020. Okay, Again, a time when the quarterbacks are supposed to be better, offenses are supposed to be better, every owner is hiring an offensive coach. If you think you see too many field goals, you are not wrong. So Cowboys fans, everything you keep seeing and you keep blaming for the Dallas Cowboys is happening league-wide to everyone except somebody named the Miami Dolphins. Teams are currently averaging 2.11 field goal attempts per game. That's the most since 1973. The other night, people kept complaining, well, all they're doing is get in position to kick field goals or just kicking field goals. I said, yeah, it's a game from 1972, except they didn't have very good kickers back then. All we need now is a square toe and some dude with like number 68 or something on his back. You're not wrong. There's more field goals. There's more field goals tried. There's more field goals missed. So what's at play? Okay, so not to get extra nerdy, the reasons are, there's quite a few reasons. And then I'm going to give you a wild solution. And I'll back it up. All right, so the reason for all these metrics, offensive metrics being where they are, lower and lower and lower, uh, one, 
Okay? Teams, this is nerdy, but teams are using more zone defenses. I can't say that ever, but it's just, it's commonplace. So you're not seeing explosive plays because the defense, the secondary, is backed up. In other words, if you're, you know, just a generic term, if you're playing a zone defense, you're, what you're doing is making sure the ball's not thrown over your head and you're keeping the ball in front of you. So you're dropping back. And the, that's why you're not seeing explosive plays. These over-the-top plays, these long, these bombs. Remember everybody used to talk about in the NFL bombs, throw a bomb or whatever? You don't see that anymore. Rarely. In fact, the big plays that you ever see, which are rare, and this is usually the Miami Dolphins, are actually because some guy catches it underneath and then breaks a few tackles and, and takes off. That's the big play of today. Defenses are making offenses be more consistent. Defenses are making the quarterbacks be more efficient. And I have a theory why that is, too. So... Part one, why you don't see more big plays, why the passing yards are where they are, why the completion rates are where they are, is that defenses have just backed up and said, sure, sure, throw it for four yards. The other reason, and I think this is playing into all of it, and I never hear people talk about this, although think it through, it's true. Um, I think edge players, Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa, go down the list, Edge players, these guys who get out there, they make all the money, they're told just chase the quarterback down and wreck him. That's it, right? Edge players are better and more disruptive than ever. That's part of the reason why I think offenses are doing what they're doing. This is part of the reason why offenses are stuck in quicksand is because defenses have, have, are better, but they have this particular player, more of them in the league now, that are able to disrupt. It is a glamour position. It is a highly paid position. The highest paid defensive player of all time until Michael Parsons becomes the highest paid defensive player of all time. I, the top two are going to be edge rushers. Nick Bosa and soon to be Micah Parsons. And then somebody else who has a lot of sacks, they're going to be on that list too. It is the defensive equivalent to a quarterback or edge players. Um, it used to be that if you would watch a game, it used to be that you would see maybe a few good pass rushers, but now it is the marquee position, one of the marquee positions in all of football. You know, the, my Lawrence Tater theory has always been that that edge edge rusher, that type of player that is so athletic and so fast that you just you can't he can run around you too fast. You have no answer for him. They're so good and athletic now, they wreck the offense. That's partly why I think teams play more zone defense is they're saying, all we got to do is just let our dude go. He'll get to you. We just want him. We want you to think you're going to sit in the pocket because you can't. All right. I think that's, that's part of it. I don't, you can disagree all you want if you want to be extra nerdy. Um, okay. So. I don't know what the other reasons would be, to be honest with you. I can't really think of them. You can't say it's the rules. You can't say it's, you know, oh, the quarterbacks aren't very good anymore. Everything's, what do you mean? They've been passing since they were five years old. Everything is to make the offense better, and everything is going the opposite way offensively. And I gave you what I think are the reasons, the solution. Okay? I said this about player safety probably more than once. But it certainly applies here. 
the solution to this, it doesn't necessarily mean more rules, more tinkering with rules, uh, making the edge rusher count to five Mississippi, none of that stuff. A bigger field. A bigger field. The NFL needs a bigger field. You got to laugh, huh? Okay, well, the NFL fields need to look more like a Canadian football field. And my logic behind this is that to get better offenses, offenses need more space. There's not enough space. There's not enough time and there's not enough space. Got it? There's too many big, fast people mucking everything up. I don't know. I mean, why do, you, why do you see so many quarterbacks hurt? Why do you see, even though everything is done to make the game safer, some, it's impossible because the field, they're just too big and too fast in a space that was made for, you know, a bunch of 210-pound people, not 260-pound people running fast. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Um, here's, why, here's why it would work. Okay, I, I'm... I feel pretty comfortable with this. I mean, just makes sense. An American football field is obviously 100 yards long, right? Uh, 120 end zone to end zone. The width of an NFL field is 53. I think it's 53.3 to be exact. How about that? It needs to be bigger. It needs to be wider at least. First off, if I said, if, you had, if I had one solution, it would be to widen the field. It's going to get, it's going to give, you know, I'm not even saying you have to have Canadian football rules, although I think you, we probably want to. You probably, fans are going to want to. You fantasy lo- gorks, kids, fans, whatever you are, you're going to want that too. But the field was wider. I think you'd have fewer injuries and the offenses would have more space to operate. It would be a better game. It'd be a better offensive game because it's just, you would spread the defense out wider. They can get to you. It would take longer to get to you. Um, I think a Canadian football field is, don't all of you know? Why don't you know the Canadian football field dimensions, huh? This is a drinking game. Canadian football field is 110 by 65. End zone to end zone, because the end zones are 20 yards deep, I think it might be 150 yards. Now, that might be a little excessive. Uh, that's like a lot of space down there. But, I mean, if you had to start anywhere, you'd make them wider. Okay? I disagree with all, all you want. If you want to agree with me, say, yeah, yeah, that's not a bad idea. I mean, it, it would promote quickness. It would give quarterbacks, obviously, everybody more space to operate. It would create more one-on-one situations just because you have more space. Yeah, I do think 12 to 15 yards would make that much of a difference. Okay, Jeff. Um, I don't know that anyone's offered this up. I doubt it. And they won't do it. Here's what I do know. They're not going to retrofit stadiums. Now, I don't know what kind of space is available. I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to, you probably have to take out some rows that are low and near the field, and I don't know any owner wants to give up that. I think the NFL office would love the idea. I think the NFL office would love to see fewer quarterbacks get hurt, and more offense and more players running around with the ball in their hand. They want to see more Tyreek Hills and fewer Micah Parsons. Think of that. This would help. It would also, I think, create another generation of smaller, faster receivers. I do. But they won't do it, I assume, 
I assume if I were to stand there at the NFL office in front of a bunch of owners, I wouldn't. They would say, and you can leave now, loser. What's the problem? You not agree with me? Like, we got some math we're going to apply to this. No, no. We're not taking out three rows of every stadium, so you get out of here. They won't do it. They won't do it. Now, you have to have a uniform size, I guess. I mean, I could argue it would be cool to have some fields bigger than others, but whatever. Um, They're just not going to want to retrofit stadiums. I mean, I don't know how much you have to do. You engineers can tackle that. But they're not going to want to touch these stadiums. They're not going to want to lose one single penny from seats. In fact, they want more seats. So my idea, my solution, which I will argue with you is a pretty good solution, which would make the game more entertaining and safer, is never going to happen because the owners will say no. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. should be. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But the music is better. The bands are better when they're on heroin. Or whatever. You know, because when you mostly get clean and sober, you produce trash like this. (laughs) Sorry. It's not okay. It's not a good song, Soccer Moms. It's not. May have made out of your dance, but no. No. I met him actually in the lobby here one time, Steven Tyler. That I heard he's a, a nice guy. He's a very nice guy. Yeah. He is a very tiny human being. Really? Very tiny. Like skinny or short? All or the above. Wow. So just a tiny, dainty little person. They make him look so tall on his videos and, yeah. and, and on TV and whatever. I mean, I didn't say, hey, Steve, you know, you were good when you were on heroin. I said, but, you know, like everyone's got to make a buck. You know what he'd probably go? He'd probably say, yeah, yeah you're probably right. You're right. Yeah. You know, those songs we do now suck. Exactly what he would say. I mean, this made him a lot of money, though. Yeah. Bonus points if you remember the movie, too. Uh, yeah, hang on here. I'm going to unfortunately probably get this right. It's so, a great movie. Michael Bay's finest for all you uh, Michael Bay fans. I don't know if I'm going to go that far. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go that far. <laughs> um, okay. Pharaoh Smith. Oh, they were good in the day, man. They were good at one time. This is so far from so many good Aerosmith songs. They were just here, too. Yeah. Yeah. I heard they put on a really good show. Uh, Okay. I'm going to say this is 90s, 94? Close. It's a decade after that Bed Midler song. 1998. Uh, 98. Okay. The movie... I'm trying to remember the title. The movie was Bruce Willis, yep. Ben Affleck, yep. and the daughter of said lead singer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So his daughter. We can thank him for that. Space too. and love and spaceships and saving the planet. Drilling. Right? What was the title? Armageddon. Yeah. 
Another Michael Bay find. Yeah. Do all Michael Bay movies have cheesy, sappy soundtracks? Yes, and they also have lots of spinning cameras and lens flares. (laughs) It's fantastic. Close ups. (laughs) A lot of scared faces. Yep, yep. We love it. Yeah. Stop talking, Stephen. All right. I don't know about that. Hey, what a segue to more rock and roll. I, I don't know about that. I don't know if I buy this. Um, I don't want to make jokes about people that drink a lot. <sighs> no way. There's no way. Two gallons of vodka would be, for an average-sized man, somebody do the math here. What would be the blood alcohol level at two gallons of vodka? Every day? Wasn't there a record? Uh, what's the record? Some guy had like a .35 or something like that? What, what's, the, what's the all-time record for blood alcohol level of someone who survived? There was some guy, maybe it was a woman, in like North Dakota or something, where, I mean, yeah, you probably do drink all the time. You might be able to drink two gallons if you lived in North Dakota. And I, I, I want to say it was like 0.38 or just some insane number of a blood alcohol level. So two gallons of vodka per day. I know, I think we all know, sadly, no levels of tolerance and alcoholism. I, we, we get it. We do. Not to that level. Not to that level. Hopefully we've cut out all the F-bombs. I don't know if it's possible because there's a lot. I do like, I don't like too many of these spin-off, hey, I'm going to act like I'm sitting in my apartment podcasts. I don't. But this one I do because I kind of like Bill Maher anyway. I just do. He, he does this podcast where I've always wanted to have a bottle of wine in the middle of the table, and the podcast goes as long as the wine is there, which probably won't be that long for each person. Um, so Bill Maher does, what's it called? The podcast, what's he, some funny name. And got some neon in there. He's, he's smoking cigs. He has, Tommy Lee is his guest on the podcasts. Tommy Lee, the Motley Crue drummer. And so Bill Maher sits down with Tommy Lee, and this is the big takeaway. Alcohol is such a weird one, too, because it's just, it's easy to fall in love with the way it makes you feel, the way it makes you relax. And then all yeah. of a sudden you're like, it's I'm amazing. drinking two gallons of vodka a day? <laughs> this you- is not, the, uh, like... You're trying to kill yourself now. This is not like. Are you talking about yourself? For yeah, this come on. Two <laughs> gallons. <laughs> no, I swear to you, dude. I swear to God. Gallons. Gallons. The big handle. I know what a gallon is. Two. Because I know it's four quarts. Yes. So you drank eight bottles of liquor. Yeah. A day. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm. Gonna t- t- ask my wife. For how long? man for a long time i mean your liver must be made of asbestos that's what i'm saying like like i can't i can't believe i pinch my I can't believe myself on a daily basis like my shit. i just did like the full body scan where they do say head to toe everything and i can't believe smoking drinking all the dumb shit or the fun shit that i've done right 
Dude, the doctor was like, you're good. No. Okay, no, 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 no. I'm with Bill Maher. Two gallons a day. Two gallons a day. Two gallons. No way. Two ga you couldn't... <clears throat> Could anyone survive one day of two gallons of vodka? Quite a legitimate question. Okay, you survived. Can we then say... Boy, that alcoholic could barely survive two gallons in one day. Forget about every single day. I'm talking about one day of drinking. And I assume these guys sleep till noon at least. So it's a fairly condensed time period in which he's consuming, he says, two gallons a day. No way, man. No way. There's no way. Do I want to encourage some of you to try it? Well, yeah, I kind of do, but I'm not going to because I don't want that. But, yeah, I kind of want to know. I really do. No way. Uh-uh. I mean, no, 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 no. So, yeah, he says he would drink two gallons of vodka every single day. The podcast is called Club Random. And then he said if he would run out... Okay, there's no way. Okay, how much did this guy weigh? Probably, what do you think? Look at him. He looks like hell. He's a buck fifty back then. Maybe a hundred and fifty pound man. Do the math at home, kids. Two gallons on a hundred and fifty pound man. Let's find the blood alcohol level for one day. Every single day. Okay, and it, then he would then he said. At another point during this conversation, talking about his, his two gallons a day, um, he made this comment. He said, "Your lover is on. Your, I mean, it's lover. Your liver is on crutches. It's barely functioning." He says, "You know, we used to say to each other, okay, dude, someone's not going to wake up in the morning. Like this is getting ridiculous, right? As a band, we stop." He said that if he and they and Motley Crue would, would run out of vodka, okay, <laughs> I guess they didn't have five gallons, that he would, if he needed to get wasted faster, he would inject Jack Daniels. Can I call a foul on that too? Look, I'm not saying these guys did not do a lot of crazy stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. And I'm sure it was just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. I get it. But I don't believe that a body, I don't believe a human being could survive two gallons of vodka in a four or five hour period. I don't think that can happen. Correct me here, audience. Uh, do your work. Find out what's happening here. I, I just. Wow. Um. <laughs> I mean, we can laugh now. He lived. But uh, you're all going to now be stuck with the task of looking up the highest recorded blood alcohol level of someone that survived. Brandon, you want to do that while we're sitting here? While I'm saying I just can't believe it. The highest recorded blood alcohol level of someone that survived. And, and I don't know... Scientists, how quickly could we put together um, the blood alcohol level of two gallons for a 155-pound person? Go. I got it. 
All right. It was a Polish man. Oh, okay. And not from North Dakota. He was arrested with, quote, unthinkable blood alcohol <laughs> level of 1.480%. And he eventually, he got in a car accident, caused serious indi- indi- injury, but died from injuries and not because of alcohol. Okay, okay, so it wasn't 0.3, that would be... <laughs> no, 0. 1.480%. 1.480, not yes. 0.14. Four numbers. 1.480%. Okay. Um, do we know how many drinks that was? Do we have an estimate? Is that possible? Can we... I, I just... I'm with Bill Maher. I, I don't know, man, that you can... <laughs> I just don't think you can do that. Yes, a bottle. I, I, I could see it. I can see it. Don't make a don't make a joke about one bottle of wine. It's not. That's nothing. Um, one bottle of vodka in a three hour period. Eh. But two, eight a day, a day for a long time. Oh man, that's kind of fun to think about, though. It's an interesting science project. All right, at Jeff Ward show. So have at it. So it was point one, so almost one and a half percent of the blood volume almost was alcohol. Yep, by about point two percent. Yeah. Okay. Missed it. Oof, buddy, dead. 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 Okay. But not because of that. Yeah. It was because of a car crash that he caused. <laughs> Polish guy. <laughs> Polish guy. Yeah. Um. Wow. Do we know the highest level of anyone that survived? You know, somebody, I don't know, just sitting in jail or sitting in the hospital or... Um, but, man, I, I just... I. That's a pretty good story, though. All right, here we go. At Jeff Ward Show. Those are not cigs Bill Meyer is smoking during Club Random. He's using a cigarette roller for his joints. Okay, he's smoking weed. Okay. Um, I like it, though. I do. I like it. I, I like. I just think he's a thinker. At Jeff Ford Show, it really doesn't make sense that middle school football is played on the same size field as the NFL. Right. That would be like MLB pitchers' mounds being the same distance to home plate as the Little Leagues. Correct. Yes. And what do you see if you're watching a... Middle school football game, there's more room to run. You can quarterback can get away from guys better. That's my exact argument for the NFL. Needs to have more space. I'm not kidding when I say it. I used to argue that to, to lessen injuries. Wouldn't do away with them entirely. It wouldn't. And the reason why I say it would lessen injuries is obviously you're just going to have you're going to have more one-on-one matchups. So there's going to be one person tackling you than you know five standing you up or something. The splits would be wider. The offensive line would be wider. The offensive line, the, all the players would be smaller. And the game, the game would get better. That's why the Canadian football looks the way it does, which I think is a good thing. Uh, at Jeff Ward Show, is the turf at the Astrodome still basically the same surface as Gramps put on the backyard port steps? I think the Longhorns win big tomorrow, but I'm worried about them getting banged up on what's essentially painted concrete. Well, let's play with that. 
Um, and how many people are going to Astro World after the game in the Astrodome? Huh? And how many people are going to stick around for the uh, the goat show after the game inside the Astrodome? How many people are going to get those uh, those big Bud Lights in the Astrodome in your orange seats? How about the seats that have the cigarettes put out in them? Yeah, I hope uh, I hope the Longhorns and I hope they can shut down David Klingler tomorrow in the Astrodome. But you know, Jack Pardee's got quite an offense. You know, the guy who was a defensive mind in the NFL years ago, look what his teams do in the perfect conditions of the, of the Astrodome. Right? The only thing that's in there is haze. It's not wind, it's haze. And you can still smoke inside the Astrodome. And if there's patches of turf that are pulled up and showing concrete, what they do inside the Astrodome, I'm sure they're going to do this tomorrow when Texas takes on Andre Ware and the Houston Cougars. I imagine they put those patches back down. I used to watch my dad do this during NFL games. Stop, these, these giant strips would come up on the Astrodome floor, and then they would just go and get these just sheets of, of AstroTurf, real thing, I know it's weird to say, and they would just put them back down to cover up the concrete. That's it. Hopefully they don't have too many of those tomorrow when the Texas Longhorns take on Bill Yeoman and the Houston Cougars before they go to the Astrodome. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. My God, Becky, look at her butt. It is so big. She looks like one of those rap guys' girlfriends. Who understands those rap guys? They only talk to her because she looks like a total... Okay, I mean, her butt is just so big. I can't believe it's just so round. It's like out there. I mean, gross. Look, she's just so loud. I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. Now when a girl walks in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face, you get sprung. Wanna pull up tough because you notice that butt was stuck. Deep in the jeans she's wearing. I'm hooked and I can't stop staring. Suck Friday. I'm gonna ask the question: Is there a love-hate relationship with this song? I'm gonna answer for myself. No, there's a hate-hate relationship with this song. But all right, that is Sir Mix-a-Lot. Anybody have any idea what else Sir Mix-a-Lot did? Because I'm going to assume the guy probably works into a bookstore somewhere. Um, so that's, if you know another Sir Mix-a-Lot song, not even a hit, you're amazing. Jump on it. Jump on it? Yeah, that's that's another good one. He's he's from Seattle. He's uh, Seattle's finest as well. Finest? So I'm biased. I'm biased towards Sir Mix-a-Lot. I've always been a big fan of his. He has a story? <laughs> you know his story? He's great. Wow. Huh. Has he made enough money where yes. he's just hanging out? Yes. He's, he's good. Holy cow. He's made so much money off this song alone. Wow. You just lie with story? Do you like the song? There's no way. I like the song. Oh. Yeah. 
Again, uh, I'm biased. Yeah, He's from yeah, my yeah. homeland. All right. All right? Um, I love man. the guy. I don't know if that's like great art or something, you know? Like, usually you want some famous, I don't know, some icon. I mean, sort of mix a lot. What's another guy? Macklemore's from Seattle, too. He is, isn't he? What is yeah. your problem there? I, how, do you have, how do you have Nirvana and then those two? Well, Nirvana went away way too early when this song became famous. Probably about right. Ironically. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. So he gave the Seattle scene the opposite. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm a little off on the timing, but pretty much. All right, so, golly. Baby Got Back was... 96? Lower. Really? Yeah. It's been around that long. 92. Holy cow. Oh, is it just him, or is there other members of the band, or whatever? Not even. It's pretty band. much whatever. just him. Yeah. Well, good job, sir. Mix a lot. Congratulations, Seattle. You've produced the finest. Uh, Dak Pred, Mike McCarthy, mumbling Mike. Dallas is off this week, so he's doing interviews um, and not doing them very well because he mumbles the entire time. He said this about Dak Prescott. I'll say some yes, some no. I love Dak as our quarterback. I think the way he's built all the way through, obviously his physical skill set is excellent. But what he endures mentally and emotionally compared to the other 31 starting quarterbacks is unique. Speaking on experience of being around great quarterbacks, Joe Montana, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, I've never seen a quarterback under a microscope like he is. True. Just his consistency... His personality, his work ethic, how he handles that. I think all those things are true. Um, it is true. In eight years, the guy is, is he the most scrutinized player in football over eight years? He's, if not, he's in the top three. And he is, he's a soldier, man. He's the ultimate company guy. But please don't say you like his consistency and skill set. He led the league in interceptions last year, mumbling Mike. No doubt, solid guy, solid corporate guy, probably the only quarterback that could probably stick around and work for Jerry Jones for that long is a guy that is that buttoned up and well-mannered and hardworking. No, mumbling Mike, he does not belong in the same sentence as Joe Montana and Aaron Rodgers, or probably for that matter, even Brett Favre. So stop that, mumbling Mike. But mostly, yes. I get it. I do think he's probably right that in eight years, he's the most scrutinized player around. No argument there. Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.